Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. So I, I want to read out of the book of John chapter 2. And I don't know if you guys have it. It's called Running Out. If you have that back there, can you wave at me or you people that are... Benny Perez, yep, that's me. Yep, that's it. That's awesome, Running Out. Thank you for increasing the uh, font back there so I can read it now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. People say, you're, old, you're getting old. I said, nope, these eyes have a lot of mileage on them. That's all it is. So I want to read to you out of the book of John chapter 2. We're going to read out of the Passion Translation says this, now on the third day there was a wedding feast in, a, in the Galilean village of Cana, and the mother of Jesus was there. Verse 2, Jesus said to his disciples, Jesus and his disciples were all invited to the banquet, but with so many guests in attendance, they ran out of wine. Somebody say, they ran out. Come on, you're going to be here a long time if you don't respond. They ran out. I know you want to get out, thank you. They ran out of wine, and, and when Mary realized it, she came to him and asked, they have no wine. Can't you do something about it? And Jesus replied, my dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, it won't change anything for you, but it will change everything for me. My hour unveiling, my power has not yet come. And Mary then went to the servers and told them, Whatever Jesus tells you to do, make sure you do. Only a mama could just ignore what the son said. <laughs> Especially the son of God. Like, you don't matter. What I say matters. Come on, moms. <laughs> now, there were six water pots of stone nearby, and they were meant to be used for the Jewish washing Rituals. Each one held about 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus came to the service and told them, fill the pots with water right up to the very brim. Then he said, now fill your pitchers and take them to the master of the ceremonies. And when they had poured out the pitchers for the master ceremonies to sample, the water became wine. When he tasted the water that became wine, the master ceremony was impressed. Although he didn't, didn't know, watch this, where the wine came from. He didn't know, but the servants of Jesus knew. Uh, I'm going I'm I'm to blow this place apart. Sorry. But, but the servers knew. Can I tell you, there are things you know that culture doesn't know. There are things we know. Come on, as sons and daughters of God. As servants, where did that come? We know where it comes from. Go back, go back. I got ahead of myself. Go back, go back. He says, he called the bridegroom and said, every host serves his best wine first until everyone has had a cup or two. Then he serves the wine of poor quality. But you, my friend, you've reserved the most exquisite wine until now. <laughs> this miracle in Canaan was the first of the many extraordinary miracles Jesus performed 
performed in Galilee. This was a sign revealing his glory. Disciples believed in him. Father, thank you for your word. And God, I pray that you help me to preach quick because in and out is calling in Jesus' name. Everybody said a big old amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I, I, I want to just give you a title message, jump right into it for the sake of time. But the title message is running out. Running out. I think the culture that we're in today, the environment that we're in today, it seems like we are running out of money. We're running out of time. I keep hearing inflation, inflation, inflation. And I'm like, okay. And, and what inflation is, it's, it's taking more of our spending power and people seem like they're running out. I, I have a church just like, like, like this church in Las Vegas. And, and Pastor Betty, oh my gosh, I'm pumping gas. It's like $6.50 a gallon. What am I going to do? I said, when you start pumping that gas in your car, say, the Lord is my provider. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But if we're not careful, we adopt the mindset of culture which is running out. Interest rates are going up. Challenges are happening. Now, I'm not here to tell you that I am not aware of the challenges. I'm not here to tell you that it seems to me that there are things that are running out. But if we are men and women of the kingdom, if we are men and women of God, if we are men and women of faith, then we have to look at things differently than how the world looks at things. (laughs) Might I say when culture is running out, God's kingdom runs over. Oh, somebody's going to help the preacher preach this thing right now. Right? So the Bible says crazy stuff that, that given shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running. Show me the scripture where it says you're running out. Show me where it says that God says, oh, I ran out. Show me when he runs out of strength. Show me when he runs out of power. Show me when God runs out of miracles. Show me when God runs. It's not there. So I call your attention to a scripture, the first miracle of Jesus. Now, I know there are people that claim that there are hidden books that they've discovered about Jesus, and he was doing miracles when he was a little kid. What kind of miracle would we do? Clean your room. It's done, Mom. How many want, want come on, I, I wanted that miracle power when I was, when I was, take the trash out, done, you know. <laughs> you know, but, but, but this is the first miracle of Jesus. Now, it's very interesting when you look at the text that there is this story about this wedding in Cana of Galilee. The backdrop is now this wedding is taking place, and Jesus and his disciples have been invited to the wedding. Now, weddings in biblical days are different than weddings today. Today we have a wedding that takes place at one day, and, you know, it, it may be a few hours, and, and you know, they, they get invites out. But in Jesus' day, a wedding oftentimes lasted up to a week. And it was a cultural event that literally everybody in the town would gather together and they would celebrate the union of this husband and wife. And it was a great cultural thing where you would literally party and there was wine and there was food and there was celebration for five, six days. Can you imagine five and six days worth of gifts? Come on, help me now. And then return a lot of them and pay for your honeymoon. Come on now. And so it's an awesome event, and, and, and in this story, the first miracle of Jesus 
It is so profound and so prophetic that now we look at the story and I pray that God would begin to speak to you and me again to show you that, what watch me, that when things are running out, that's when God begins to kick in and start to run over. I want to talk to you about this because I want to talk to you and I'm going to demystify. In fact, I'm going to go after some sacred cows here. In fact, I'm going to help some of you that have bought into a religious mindset that has driven you to despair and discouragement. Because you've been told the lie. And I'm going to expose the lie with the truth. And the truth, come on somebody, will set you free. So what happens at this wedding? Number one, write it down. Jesus' presence was at a party. Wait a second. God likes to party? I grew up with an angry, mean, harsh God. One way or another, I'm going to find you. I'm going to get you, get you, get you, get you one way. Come on, somebody wave your hand at me, right? Somebody say, what song is that? It's an old hymn from the 80s. But what does this show us about Jesus? His presence was at a party. Jesus was at a wedding. Jesus is trying to tell us something, that God is into celebrating life, that God is a party kind of a God. God is not out to crush your life. God is not out to take joy out of your life. God is not trying to make your life miserable and mean and angry. We have a God that says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. We've got to change our paradigm of how we view God and how we allow the world to view God. Listen, when you go to club, hey, dude, let's go to the club, man. It's going to be awesome. I mean, you know who's going to be there? This DJ is going to be spent. It's going to be amazing. I mean, you know, Stevie Aoki is going to be It's going to be awesome. And they get all excited. And then when you invite people to church, hey, you want to come to church? It's, it's crazy that sometimes the world seemingly has more joy than people that are in the church of Jesus Christ. And we need to change that, my friends. I think Jesus is there and he just wants to say, you know, I got the invite. He didn't a party crash. He got an invite with his disciples. And what did Jesus do? Let's go. Let's party. Because religion has made following Jesus a bunch of rules and regulations. As if God is into behavior modification. But might I add, as I'm doing a series on Ephesians, and I'll go toe-to-toe with anybody, because the book of Ephesians, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, deal with the believer's position. Then in chapters 4, 5, and 6, it deals with the believer's practice. Let me rephrase that. The first three chapters is about your belief. The last three chapters are about your behavior. Because we get so on the behavior side, we forget God is not into behavior modification. God is into heart change. And so what happens is, is that we need to redo some stuff and begin to examine the scriptures and to recognize that God is into worship. That God is into into joy. That God wants us to have a life. 
But now watch me, because this is where it gets interesting. Jesus shows up at the wedding. I don't know if it's day one, day two, day three, we don't know. But Jesus, when he shows up to the wedding, there was a problem. There was a challenge. It says that the, ran, the, the wine ran out. So, number two, Jesus' presence did not stop a problem. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, some of you guys are going to get set free from this. Because you were taught that if you come to Jesus, he'll stop every problem. And then when the problem is not stopped, the devil comes and says, if God was so good, why didn't he stop this? Okay, let's go there for a second. If God was so good, why did this happen? If he can't get you there, he gets you here. Well, if you had more faith, or if you're really in tune with God, or if you really had God's presence, a problem will not arise. But the devil is a liar, and religion is a liar. Because the presence of Jesus did not stop a problem. What happened? The wine ran out. In biblical days, wine was a sign of joy. And rabbis taught where there was no more wine, there was no more joy. Yet Jesus was at the wedding. Just because he was there did not mean a problem would not arise. Jesus was there and a problem did arise. We need to understand the presence of Jesus does not stop challenges. It does not stop problems, but it brings in point number three, the presence of Jesus is a source of provision. This is where it's going to get really good because I'm going to set some of you free. Some of you have been walking with condemnation and shame because it's like, oh my goodness, I'm not a good Christian or, uh, or something's wrong because this happened. I mean, no, 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 I'm here to tell you something. The presence of God is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But it may not stop a problem. And if it doesn't stop a problem or a challenge, it means this, that he still is the source of provision to whatever situation you find yourself in. Some of you know the story of the three Hebrew guys, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's interesting that God did not keep them out of the fire furnace. He kept them in it. Who shows up in the middle of what they're going through? And now Nebuchadnezzar, he's never seen the Son of God. He says, wait, how many did we throw in? We, 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 oh, no, those tres. Tres, but there's cuatro. Habla español, anybody? Should I preach in Spanish? If I knew it, I would. But watch. And he looks and he says, I see a fourth man and he looks like the son of God. What? What? How does Nebuchadnezzar know what the son of God looks like? Because when Jesus shows up, the world will even know this is something beyond the natural. It's supernatural. It looks like Jesus. Jesus did not stop a problem, but he was the source of provision. Jesus' mother comes to Jesus with the problem, and she says, listen, hey, listen, son, there's no more wine. She says, it's not my time. They have the discussion. Now, I may ask you a question. Why would Jesus' mother come to her son? With a request of there's no more wine when she has never, ever seen him do a miracle. She hasn't. But she remembers a miracle birth. My friends, sometimes 
You can't trace what God has done, but you got to remember what he has done already. You got to go back maybe to your salvation experience. And I remember when God saved me. I remember when God did this. And if God could do this, I believe God could do something right here, right now. She comes to him and she says, they ran out of wine. And he says this in a passion translation. When I do this miracle, it's not going to do anything for you, but, but it's going to change my life. In other words, it's not my time yet to manifest my power, to manifest my glory. It's a little premature, but she knew that Jesus' presence was the source of provision. Can I tell you, my friends, because you're a follower of Jesus and his presence is with you, he is the source of your provision. He didn't stop something. It's okay. He's the source of your provision. I'm going through something. I know he's with you right now in the valley of the shadow of death, and he will see you through. You've got to understand that he is the one that is with you no matter what. Listen, I could tell you, because I've been around now for a little while. I've been preaching for 35 years. I could tell you story after story, just like you can, of when it didn't look good, but God came through. I, I, I needed a miracle, and God came through. I could also tell you when he didn't come through, and I was discouraged, and I was down. But let me tell you something. I learned something about God. Do not judge God by a snapshot while he's making a full-length movie. And so what we do, we do this all the time. We snapshot God. Come on, Polaroid people. And you wave it. Come on, somebody over 50. Help me up preach this thing right now. The young people don't know what I'm doing right now. They don't even know what digital cameras are. They got a phone now. And what we do, if we're not careful, is we freeze frame God. Not knowing God feels like it's running out. Got a problem. It didn't seem like it got stopped. But I'm a Christian. And why is this happening? Oh, but God, I, I know one thing. Your presence is, is still the source of my provision. I can't tell you everything. I, I don't claim to know everything. And I'm still learning. People come and ask me the question all the time. Is their church has now grown and we have thousands and thousands of people. And now we're multi-site and it's exciting and it's cool. And, and I, I, I can't answer all the questions. And here's what I can answer. I'm saying, but, but I know this. Jesus is with you. He's with you when it didn't go the way you wanted it to go. And Mary is saying, Jesus, I know that you're the source of provision. And she comes and she makes her request. Because the next point very simply is this. Jesus' presence began the process of the miracle. Mary tells the servants, whatever he tells you to do, I want you to just do it. Jesus was the source. He was using the water pots, but Jesus was the source. Jesus was going to tell the servants what to do. Come on, somebody, but Jesus was the source. He began the process of a miracle. And all of a sudden now, she says, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And there's six water pots, six representing the number of man. Water pots representing religion. So here is man. Here is the symbol of man. Six water pots. Here's the symbol of religion. And what man can do and religion does is, watch me, it'll eventually run out. I don't care your success will run out. I don't care your money will not fulfill you anymore. I don't care how much fame you have, how much everybody knows you. My friends, there comes a moment when you begin to run out and you begin to run dry. And that's where Jesus comes in. And he says, okay, guys, you ready? Yeah. I want you to fill them up with water. You know what water represents? Water represents the word of God. 
Something happens when you go back to the Word of God. And you start filling your life up. Come on with the Word of God. And he says, I want you to fill it up all the way to the brim. They fill it up with water. And then they say, then Jesus says, now I want you to do is I want you to take the water. I want you to dip in with pitchers and take it over. Now, now, now understand something. All they know about Jesus is he is a carpenter. What do carpenters know about why? <laughs> Except to drink it. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to get into debate. Was it or was it fermented? Was it not fermented? Was it this? Was it that? Was it? I don't know. But I, apparently, it has some kick to it. <laughs> because the master ceremony says, when they've drank too much, <laughs> then we get out the cheap stuff. That doesn't happen with grape juice. We'll leave it with you and God, okay? Well, was it Cabernet or Rosé or what was it? Was it, was it, was it, was it real hot? I don't know. But if I'm, if I'm the guys here, and I'm always done, somebody come back to the keyboards because in the American church, it's sign we're any, but we're not. So I think the guys are like, wait, wait, this is Jesus. Didn't he make, didn't he make your, your parents' table and chairs? Yeah, better than Ikea. We didn't have to put it together. He did. It has an eternal warranty. Come on, somebody. And what we do is what they probably did. What does Jesus know about? We do that all the time. Well, I don't think you really know about relationships. I'm going to do it my way. Okay. I don't think you really know about money, God, so I'm going to do it my way. But I love Mary. She didn't give him a choice. Whatever he tells you to do. Whatever he tells you to do. Don't think about it. Don't debate it. Don't pray about it. Just do it. They were afraid of the mama. Like I'm afraid. Right? And the Bible says that now they take it over to the master of the ceremony. His presence, Jesus, began, began the process of a miracle. But watch me. We all want miracles, but we don't like the instruction. Dip in the river seven times. Is it quiet in this Presbyterian church or something? God gave me a miracle. God says, here's the instruction. Dip in. I just want you to turn it into wine right now because it would be so much easier that I saw the wine right now and I know it's wine, so I'm going to dip in. Then I'm going to take it over because I know the wine. But where is there? There's no faith in that. Faith is, and you got to hear the message from the first service. Faith is, I hear what God says and I don't just say, okay, God, and stay there. You have to have a step of faith. But we, we get confused in the church. Can I get a little tidbit from last last sermon? Last sermon? Because here's what we think. We think this. Because people do this all the time. Pastor, I'm taking a step. I'm taking a step of faith. And you do this. A step isn't a step until you leave. Then I step. But it's not a step until I leave. What we do is like, Pastor, look at this step. Ha! I'm about ready to tear myself here. <laughs> Listen. And the church is filled with people that never leave. But something happens. I know what he said. 
and it looks like water. But he said for me to be obedient. And they took another step. And they took another step and they left. And took another step and then they left. And by the time they got to the other side, here's the crazy thing and I'm done. Keith and Mary, we don't know when the water turned into wine, but we do know that when the master ceremonies tasted it, it was wine. Here's just my thought. Did it turn after the third step, fourth step, fifth step? What step did the water turn to wine? I don't know. But I know as long as they kept being obedient and kept stepping and leaving and kept stepping and leaving. And the master ceremony says this. He goes, ooh, what? This is not Walgreens stuff. This is not even Costco and it's got good wine. I tell you that right now. Costco's got the best, oh, stop. Uh, Costco, I heard, has some nice stuff. <laughs> I'm having too much fun. He said, I don't understand because the way culture does it is that they give you all the best stuff and then on the back end they get you. Isn't that sound like the devil? Ooh. And that, that, that drug, ooh, that, that stuff, ooh. And the other side, it's called addiction. He front loads everything. And then you run out. But the kingdom, there's no running out. In the kingdom, it's running over. But can I deliver some paper, help somebody? I know, sir, I know, ma'am, that you love Jesus and you have Jesus in your life. And it still happened. I know it doesn't make any sense. But I'm here to tell you, it is not over. God is still doing something. God is still moving. God is doing something. Because his presence is the source of provision. Somebody give God a five-second hand clap and praise right now. I've been through a lot, just like so many of you. Some of you more tragic than myself. As I get older, I recognize there's one thing that's constant, it's the presence of God. Church culture will change, the way we do church. Do we gather again or do we just stay in our homes? Do we let the Spirit of God move on the weekends or just in special services? We can debate all that, but one thing is, is constant is that we need the presence of God. And this is very vulnerable, what I'm going to ask, because I felt like this was for this experience. There are people here that you feel like you've run out. Strength. Optimism. Maybe even run out of faith. But God cannot heal what you don't reveal. I want to pray for you. Disappointment didn't happen. I'm right with you. 
drug in front of healing evangelists a lot of years ago, pushed down, manipulated. I think they had a good heart, maybe good intentions. But the Lord had to take me on a journey. And now I am the one that prays for the sick, and I'm the one that God uses. And when somebody walks out, maybe not getting the full thing that they believe for, I said, it's okay, brother. I'm right with you. Let's keep on stepping and leaving. Forgetting the things that lie behind, and I press forward to the things that lie ahead. I just got to keep stepping. <laughs> I got to keep stepping. I, I don't want to be entangled with that sin of unbelief. Okay, God. It hurts like hell, and I, I know if I was in Vegas, I would use another word, but I'll use hell. And, 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 and God, it hurts, but God, I'm going to take a step because your presence is with me. God, I know, God, that you didn't stop it, but you're the source of my provision, God. And I'm going to believe that you saved the best for last. Can I deal with real people today? Disappointment, discouragement didn't work out struggling so many people are walking away from the Christian experience because it didn't work out the way they told it was supposed to work out and I'm here to tell you don't have all the answers but I'm here to tell you that God has a way of working things out I've been there having to preach discouraged having to preach with disappointment having to preach through pain and yet I got up because, you know what, God, I'm not the one. I'm not their source. You are. And, and Lord, you're giving me the, the strength to step on that platform and to preach. I'm in a pretty good season right now. God's doing things. I can't figure out how he's doing it. I got a major prophetic word on Wednesday from a guy who's never met me and begins to say what I knew was stirring in my heart already. Then on Thursday, I, I begin to prophesy when the Raiders first came to Las Vegas and started saying crazy things and everybody saw there's pastor he just opens up his mouth and starts saying craziness that craziness is happening and I don't even know but God had it all planned out I just kept on stepping and leaving I got a call from the Raiders organization they said hey Benny Perez yes would you consider being the chaplain of the Las Vegas Raiders I told him I'll pray and ask the Lord, ask my wife in that order, Lord, wife. Some of you it's wife, Lord, but hey, you work it out yourself. So I officially accepted the position. I was at practice on Saturday. It was a beautiful thing to meet so many great young men. And then see the power of God begin. The power of God doesn't flow on a stage with an LED screen, with an altar. But literally the presence of Jesus begin to touch people on the playing field. It's a beautiful thing. And having conversations, and I hear this a lot, discouragement, disappointment, pain. But His presence is there. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.